0: Joining us today on Mixing a Water Monday is former South Carolina offensive lineman John Strickland. And Strick, we were talking about before we hopped on, there's no moral victories when it comes to college football, especially in the SEC. However, three games in, especially after what we saw with week one, you were telling me you've been very pleased with the progress from this offensive line.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think every, anybody who's uh, watched this uh, from the UNC game till how they played pass pro wise uh, is night and day uh, from week one to week three. And, you know, coach Beamer was right. You know, take your shots now uh, by how the, uh, the pass pro win against UNC versus where it's at uh, currently as of this past weekend.
0: Yeah. You mentioned the pass pro and that's not to excuse some of the run block and we'll get into everything here. But when you mentioned the pass pro, what is it in particular, right? Because you say that some people on the outside, whether they've never played that position or they're just wondering, you know, what does Strick mean by that? Can you kind of break that down to us in simple terms?
1: Well, basically, you know, your pass pro obviously means pass protection. Um, I think we've done a better job. If you watch week one, we, we had missed assignments. Uh, we had uh, guys not passing off twist on the inside. And Georgia likes to do a lot of twisting. Uh, if, if you really watch the uh, line play on both sides of the ball, Georgia likes to do a lot of uh, twisting stunts uh, a good bit of the game. And I thought for the most part, the guys did a much better job than what they did versus UNC. Um, I just think, you know, the tackles were able to stay on the island and hold the D ends um, and give Spence more time to, to, to pass the ball instead of uh running for his life twenty four seven obviously we all know George's got a fantastic defensive line, so you know you can't expect uh expect to hold him off every single play because there was a you know there were several times where spence was getting hit as he's throwing the ball, which caused him to not be able to get as good as good a ball out to the receivers uh, as you had hoped
0: yeah looking at the snap counts right now for the offensive linemen, Nick Gargiulo played the most snaps, along with true freshman Tree Babalade. Now, both those guys, it was their first time playing on the road against an SEC opponent, and even though it was new for Gargiulo, no disrespect to him, it just speaks volumes about what the true freshman was able to do, Big Tree being able to get out there. You've said you've been impressed with this young man, but especially being able to go into a stadium, which I know as a Georgia boy, you grew up going into that stadium. I know you were at the game this past weekend what is your just overall thoughts about what that young man has been able to do? And especially this past weekend.
1: Well, I, I was really impressed with uh big tree. I'll tell you what, I mean, being a true freshman going into that environment, playing against the best, arguably the best defense in the country. man, I thought he did a fantastic job. He held his own. Uh, and that's a lot to ask for, for a true freshman. I mean, cause you know, I, I remember when I was a redshirt freshman and having to go in and play the whole game against Clemson back in uh, 2001. I mean, I was I was nervous as all get out. But the good thing is, you go out there, you hit the guy across from you a couple of times, and you realize, hey, I'm just as good as these guys. And then all the uh, wide-eyed stuff kind of wears off. Uh, but man, I think what you really worry about from a true freshman is. Uh, You know, missed assignments, uh, brain lapse of, okay, what am I supposed to do on this play? I mean, you know, that's what you kind of worry about because they're brand new to the system and to this type of college football. I mean, (laughs) SEC is night and day versus versus high school. But uh, I thought Tree did a fantastic job as a true freshman. Kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Travell Wharton starting Mm. his uh, freshman year coming in and playing left tackle, and Treville started all four years and was a great player. So uh, who knows? We may have a may have another one of those uh, on the left side of the line there.
0: Well, on the right side of the line, Trevon Ba, the other true freshman, he only had 12 snaps after the game. Shane Beamer said that he probably should have played him a little bit more. Not specifically just talking about Trevon, but just young offensive linemen in general, Strick, and you kind of hit on it a little bit with Tree. What are some of the challenges they face? And why is it sometimes so difficult for them to see the field as quickly as, you know, as some would like them to see? Um, and what it does it say about what those two guys have been able to do to get there and being able to get out to the field? Obviously, we know that they're, you know, they're trying to work through some growing pains up front, but just the dynamic of being an offensive lineman in comparison to, No, no, no disrespect, I was a defensive back, but maybe a defensive back who might see the field as a freshman.
1: Yeah, defensive back, you know, it's a little easier to transition into because your athleticism and speed is just something, you know, you just have it, okay? You just have it. Well, when it comes to line play, I'd say the two hardest positions to come in and play as a true freshman is offensive line and quarterback uh, just because there's so much to learn. And especially at offensive line, a guy coming out of high school going against a twenty 21 22 year old guy who's been around for a while uh, and in the system and it's been working out and it's gotten stronger and all this versus a uh, guy fresh out of high school it, it, it's a there's a big difference. Uh, I mean there there's not many guys that can come in to this league and contribute on the line of scrimmage, especially at offensive line. Uh, As a true freshman, I mean, it's just super tough to go do. I mean, you're going against grown men who have been around in this league for a while. And uh, that's what I was very impressed with uh, from some of these true freshmen.
0: Looking at the statistics, South Carolina ranks eighth in the country when it comes to passing offense. I believe they're 130 in the country in rush offense as an offensive lineman, obviously you can't control what's going on in the backfield as far as, okay, who's getting the ball and all that kind of stuff. But what do you think this offensive line, I know it starts with the play calling a little bit too. I thought I think Dow Loggins has done a nice job, especially after where this offense was a year ago outside of the Tennessee and Clemson game, games. But what can the offensive line do a little bit better to help that run game, which South Carolina desperately needs to get going this week and against Mississippi State?
1: Yeah, that, so... Pass pros improved the run game has not, um, run game. I mean, really it's a uh, dog mentality is what it is. I mean, you just got to have that dog in you. Uh, you got to be nasty, uh, and just want it. And that's what the run game comes down to, especially as offensive lineman and all, obviously not missing assignments. Uh, but that's what it comes down to. And listen, you know, those guys are working hard to get this thing better. Um, and but the run game has got to improve because I think we were obviously we were way too one sided in the second half versus Georgia. We could get no run game going. And when you have to just sit back and pass on every play, uh, the defense, that's it's it's going to advantage the defense, especially a defense like Georgia. Um, so that's you really got to improve on the run game. Uh and we need to come out and try and run the ball. And hopefully these guys improve this week and uh, we get a little better, um, uh, maybe some, a little better run, run game play calls instead of too many up the middle. It seems like we do a lot, maybe try and get some outside stuff going. And I will tell you, we didn't see much of Mario Anderson, but uh, yeah. I thought while, when he was in there, I thought he really ran the ball well. I mean, he's a low, powerful, thick guy. Uh, so I'd like to see him get in a little bit more too. And, you know, yeah, go ahead.
0: Well, you go, Strick.
1: No, that's it. That's what I was going to say.
0: Well, I was going to say two carries for nine yards. And one of those carries, I think it was third and one, seven yards, which led to the eventual juice touchdown uh, reception. But um, former Gamecock running back Mike Davis actually took to Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it now. And uh, he actually pointed that out. He's like, he likes the way that 24 runs the ball. And
1: he looks like a little ball more. He looks like Mike a little bit. I mean, he's a little bit shorter than Mike, but, you know, Mike was that shorter, stockier guy that would just pound you, bruiser of a runner, and, you know, that's kind of what Mario reminds me of. Uh, I know he doesn't have the speed that Mike does, but uh, I'd like to see him play a little bit more.
0: We'll hit on defense in a little bit, but a lot of, obviously, with your background of playing the offensive line, there's a lot of things that... I think are important to bring up one thing that I talked about a lot heading into this past weekend's game against Georgia, just because of last year with what will Muschamp champion Kirby smart did from a defensive standpoint. But after seeing some of the success that Georgia had, you mentioned some of the twists and stunts that Georgia was able to do coming off the edge with some of their defensive tackles when they were doing those twists. But the other thing that they were doing a lot, and I think it's something that South Carolina could continue to see as the season goes on. Cause you know, it's a copycat league. There was a lot of shifting mid-cadence, and I felt like it really gave South Carolina a lot of headaches. Now, obviously, last year, zone-blocking schemes, and USC really struggled with that for the majority of the season, the majority of the two years under offensive quarter, then offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield. They were uh, shifting outwards. They were shifting in. They were shifting left. They were shifting right. If this is something that USC continues to see, whether it be this weekend against Mississippi State or as the season goes on, as an offensive line, I'm sure communication plays a big part of it. But what else goes into that to make sure that you can make, you know, the proper calls so that you give your quarterback the right uh, protection up front?
1: Well, you know this, and that's what killed us a lot in the second half. I think we had what five or six uh, false starts. In the second I mean, that half, was it I'm too. Mistaken. It also
0: led to false starts. Yeah,
1: I think that was the the, the main problem and. You know, when you start getting backed up in first and 15 or second and 20 and all this stuff, uh, I think that's what – I mean, Coach Beamer even touched on it. I mean, it we shot ourselves in the foot there in the second half. Uh, I mean, as an offensive lineman, when you're seeing these shifts, I mean, you know what the snap count is. Um, obviously, I know when you're on the road, most of the time you're doing a solid snap count. You're just – the center's watching the quarterback's foot. Uh, is what happens most of the time. I know I've been in some loud places. I mean, I remember being in, in, in Neyland in 03 when we were in overtime. I mean, you couldn't hear anything. So, basically, I'm just going – I'm just <laughs> – all the guys got to watch the ball just like the defensive lineman does. Um, so, I think that's the key. And, you know, after they, – they were shifting the whole game. So, you just – there's really no excuse, especially in the second half when you've seen it all in the first half to be jumping off sides. Now, I know it's difficult with crowd noise and everything, but just shot ourselves in the foot on that. But, uh, so I don't know if that totally answers your question, but.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think it plays a big role with it. No, there's no question about it. And look, they got Tennessee coming up. They have Texas A&M, obviously Mississippi State's this weekend, but they're going to be playing in some loud environments. And give Georgia credit, they made it loud. They made it loud out there. I know Kirby – yeah, you well,
1: Nealan's going to be louder in two weeks. I yeah, he probably that.
0: pulled a back muscle reaching trying to, you know, milk the comment from Tonka Hemingway to, you know, when you're the two-time defending national champ, you're trying to find anything. Nearly yeah. four touch, four touch, thirty-point uh, favorites against South Carolina yeah. last weekend, but. Flipping it to the other side, From a, I'm just talking from a mirror standpoint because, again, as a former offensive lineman, you understand sometimes when things are working and what things aren't working from a defensive line standpoint. It just doesn't seem like that front, and obviously it starts with the D-line, that they're causing much pressure, and that was probably one of the main reasons why they weren't able to force a turnover this past weekend. I bring that up, though, Strick, because what do you think this D-line can do to be able to give themselves a chance to not only cause more pressure, but to play a more physical style of football, which they desperately need to do. Again, against Mississippi State, who likes to throw the football, you need to be able to disrupt the QB this weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean – I think from what we saw this week, the D line did look better than what they looked week one. I mean, they put they put some pressure on Beck. I mean, starting with TJ standards.
0: I want to throw that out there too. Oh yeah, T- T- out of his TJ mind.
1: TJ was in beast mode the first half, man. I, I was so happy for him. I mean, we, I had you know just all of us watching the game. We were like, all right, TJ. Like TJ was getting after him. Uh, I think I think the biggest issue we have is. You know we just don't have the depth right now in defense and i think it kind of showed in the second half and i even think i heard coach beamer say something about it too that you know the depth is thin right now there's injuries um so that 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 became a problem in the second half and georgia just has a big offensive line man and they were just kind of able to to lean on us that second half and Um, I think we kind of wore down a little bit there in the second half, but, uh, the defensive line from week one to now has Mm -hmm. improved quite a bit. Just, just like the offensive line, Uh, the offensive line just got to get better in the run game. And, uh, I think the D line's got to do the same thing, but, uh, I do like the improvement you are seeing. I think we've seen improvement every week so far, and that's what you want to see.
0: Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, unfortunately, mentioned some of the depth issues they have. At linebacker, you only played three linebackers this past weekend. I mean, that's the challenging part. Debo Williams played the entire game. Stone and God bless him, yes, it was probably one of the, you know, tougher performances he's had during his young career, but he's also, you know, looked pretty good in some of these other he's games. A but, guy, uh, yeah. He's a young guy, man. Yeah, exactly.
1: He's, he's, he's going to continue to get better.
0: And he's also been someone that's had to probably play a little bit more than what he should be playing just based on some of the lack of depth that they have, Pop exactly. Howard's seen a good bit. I say that because, you know, I think Pop Howard's the first thing that just comes to to mind. How important is it going to be for South Carolina to develop some of this depth, especially at the linebacker position? But I'm sure you would agree that it's not just there. It's probably across the board at multiple positions.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, Pop, uh, if you uh, – maybe not everybody has, but if you see the guy in person, you're like, this, this guy's a dude. Okay. He's got the size
0: already as a freshman. There's no question about
1: that. Yeah. I mean, he looks like he's 26 years old playing middle linebacker in the NFL, but (laughs) uh, he just, he's got to keep developing, getting better, learning the system, uh, which I think, you know, obviously all this just comes with time. Okay. Um, But the linebacker, we're just we're just so thin and it goes back to my point of the depth and how georgia was just able to run the ball and run the ball the whole second half just our our guys just wear down because we just do not have the depth right now from the injuries and uh, i think that's caused a big problem um you know you can say the same basically just about at all positions on on the defense except for d tackle i think those guys you know we've Mostly healthy, but uh, uh, with Teak Johnson, he was out this past week. uh, So hopefully you can get him back this week uh, to add some more depth there. But um, I think some of these young guys, man, they're just going to have to drop you nuts, you know, (laughs) start picking it up and let's go. Uh, They got got to start coming along. And, uh, I mean, you know the coaches are coaching them up the best they can, but uh, you can only play the guys that – you feel the most confident in, even if they have to go out and play 80 plays. I mean, it it is what it is, but that does cause issues um, when it gets to late in the second half. Um, Because, listen, man, you play that many plays on defense, it's really tough because you're running all over the field, chasing ball carriers, receivers, quarterbacks. You put out a lot more effort than, you know, say, like an offensive lineman do. They're always in the box. D D tackles and D ends, man, they're running all over the field chasing down balls. And, uh, I mean, it takes a toll on your stamina towards the end of the game.
0: Strict last one for you. I know he came in a little bit after you, but this will be a special weekend for Alshon Jeffrey getting his Jersey retired. And we've seen South Carolina start to do that more over the last couple of years, not just with football, but with other sports as well, even for a player that you didn't have the opportunity to play with, but, because he was after you, I'm sure you paid a lot of attention to what he was able to do, especially in that Alabama game. What uh, what does it mean when you do see a fellow Gamecock be able to get his jersey retired and be able to receive an honor like he will receive this weekend?
1: I think it's fantastic, man. I think if you go back and look at everything that Alshon has done for this program, um, uh, he deserves every bit of it. In my opinion, I think him and Sterling are still probably the two best receivers to ever play uh, here at South Carolina. Um, you know, I would throw old teammate Sidney Rice in there too, but Sidney uh, just – he didn't play as many years as these other guys. Uh, and for Alshon to do everything he did, I mean, Alshon had some amazing games and won us some amazing games uh, on, on his shoulders because of how he played. So it's exciting to see that, and uh, super happy for him.
0: Yeah, it'll be an awesome, awesome opportunity to be able to see so many Gamecock fans be able to thank him as well. I think that's one of the neater things—not the exact same, but think of Tom Brady coming back a couple of weeks ago with the Patriots. The fans are able to thank him. Uh, that will be certainly the case this weekend when Elshon is back in the building. Strix yep. coming at you live from Bourbon Street, as you can see that sign behind. Yeah. That's a nice little collection there, bud.
1: Yeah, we got a few bottles. Uh, we have fun collecting bourbon. Uh, you know, like to share it with friends when people come over. So, uh, yeah, fun little hobby. Expensive hobby, but fun.
0: <laughs> well, this is Mixing a Water Monday, not Mixing a Bourbon Monday, even though maybe some felt that way after this past weekend. But not as bad. Not as bad in comparison to where the game well, were. Well, a, lo- a loss we're, is we're a three loss, games. Well, I, I, know, I know, I know. A loss is a loss. There's no moral victories. They are making progress, but it's – it's the SEC. We, it's we, not... we got
1: we got to get the run game going, man. We we just we – we got to get the run game going because, one, it helps open up the pass game more instead of putting it on Spencer's yep. shoulders. Uh, and, two, it keeps the defense off the field when you run the ball, okay? So, it makes the defense play l- lesser plays because it means their offense is going to get less plays uh, when you're running the ball at Eden clock. So, uh, I think that's one thing I'm really looking forward to this week's game versus Mississippi State is where this run game's at because I think we have a chance to have a really good rest of the season we just we got to figure out how to get a run game going
0: I'm glad you brought that up because I kind of had a little back and forth respectfully disagreed with my colleague Colin Taylor about time of possession sometimes it is important because if you're not able to stay on the field, your defense is going to be gassed. And as I yep. mentioned before, with how thin they are at some positions and Debo Williams having to play every snap and Stone Bland a couple of weeks ago having to play every snap, you need to, you yep. need to improve that time of possession. And how do you do that? You run the football. Run you the have ball. success.
1: Yep. It's as simple as that. You run the ball, you keep your offense on the field, you keep their offense off the field, and guess what? Come the fourth quarter, your defense is. Way, way more fresh. They feel much better. I promise you. That's there how we it go. Goes.
0: John Strickland, former Gamecock offensive lineman, joining us today on Mixing a Water Monday. Appreciate you, Strick.
1: Yeah, appreciate it, Mike. Always love, love, love talking with you on here.